Hi, welcome to More Life, the Reentry Podcast, a podcast about offender reentry, reform, and advocacy. I'm your host, Vinkivia Garner. Thank you for joining us today. So, on today's episode, we have another advocacy and activism episode. And just in case you all do not remember like what this segment is, I'm just going to give you a brief reminder. So our advocacy and activism segment highlights um, individual supporters or organizations who are making efforts to advocate and support those who have previously been incarcerated and their journey back into the community. So our representative organization today is Beyond the Walls, the movement, which is a mobile unit servicing the directly impacted community of Southern Illinois. And representing this organization is Ms. Kianya Inge. Um, Ms. Kianya is a community navigator and educator in economic development. She has received her bachelor's degree from Northeastern Illinois University in inner city studies. She also has a master's of education in workforce education and development, and she's currently pursuing her doctorate in higher education and administration from Southern Illinois University in Carbondale. Um, I can't tell you how grateful More Life is to have her on here to talk about her organization, um, talk about the experience that she's had working in this organization and just reentry in general. So More Life really thanks you and um you know I'll let you have the floor to say anything that you want to add well thank you so much I appreciate the opportunity to share what beyond the walls does for the southern Illinois community um I founded beyond the walls in 2019 when I came to the southern Illinois community and realized that there were next to none re-entry um programs or organizations that really focus on anyone above the age of 24. And so what Beyond the, Beyond the Walls does is that we connect um, people in the reentry process with those necessary resources. Yes, thank you uh, for sharing that. Um, Beyond, like she said, Beyond the Walls is an organization in Southern Illinois. I will say when I moved out here um, as somebody who's also interested in reentry, there were very limited like programs as well. Like I couldn't find a lot that was going on. And then I just happened to come across this and um, some some other like just small maybe churches that are doing things, uh, but no organization. So that's why I really like to bring organizations on and kind of talk about what they're doing. Um, so I guess one of the first questions I really want to ask you is, um, what is like the vision of Beyond the Walls and um, like their mission? So our mission is to empower um, those that are directly impacted through education and entrepreneurship. That's the goal. That is our goal. Um, that that's the our vision is to have a holistic reentry process based in Southern Illinois, preferably, and um, just to try to make the transition as holistic as possible, and to build um, sustainable reentry processes for people. And if I may have you elaborate a little bit, what do you mean by like holistic, like a holistic reentry process? So reentry isn't um, reentry isn't a uh, one level space, right? There are multiple tiers to how someone reenters society, and it's all about the individuality of it. Most programs are you need to finish level one before you get to level two. And in the process that we have in mind, there's tiers 
And we want people to determine what goes into tier one for them. I may not need substance abuse um, help, right? I may not have that, that may not be my issue, but I may need mental health assistance, right? So you in some programs, you can't go to level two until you complete substance, until you complete the 12 steps. Well, I don't need those 12 steps, but I do need to figure out how I can get, how I can have sustainable shelter. So holistic for us is getting things done the way that that individual sees fit. That is um, mind, body, and spirit, right? Because we know that um, most people, as a matter of fact, we don't, because most people don't know the process of reentry. Some individuals come home and they have, they have um, phobias, like um, they're agoraphobics, like they don't like crowds now. Um, they don't like to be touched. They don't like for their personal space to be invaded. Um, they have motion sickness. Some people haven't been in a vehicle in 10 years, right? 15 years, because when you're incarcerated in the Illinois Department of Corrections, unless you have a court case or a medical emergency, you won't be in a vehicle. You're walking everywhere you go. So those sorts of things, getting, just getting individuals reacclimated to uh, freedom. Decisions, right? Um, I had a friend that said that he, when he came home, he went into the aisle of cereal in the grocer and it was too many decisions for him to, it was too many selections for him to make a decision, right? So those sort of things, getting, getting individuals accustomed to making decisions on their own because they've been told when to do everything. So just uh, making it a um, streamlined holistic process. And I, I really like that because one thing I will say that I have learned in just my experience of working with people who have been um, incarcerated in some fashion is that it is a very individual process. And um everybody's process looks very differently. And when I see organizations as well, it's kind of like you said that you kind of got to complete the 12 steps first before we work on some of these other things. And like, that may not be the needs of that person. Um, so individualizing it and um, adopting more of a holistic framework seems like a more feasible way to kind of support these individuals when they're out here. Um, and I guess like kind of Continuing in our conversation, too, of like, I didn't get to ask this at the beginning, but can you tell us what Beyond the Walls means? Okay, so um, Beyond the Walls is my baby. Um, so I returned from serving 11 and a half years in the Illinois Department of Corrections in 2014. Um, and I was in Chicago at the time. And so in Chicago, it is a place of overflowing resources, right? You just, if you don't make it in that city on some sort of level, it's because you haven't put the effort. So I came to Southern Illinois for my master's program and I was looking for a social community, right? I was looking for a social community, some people that I could be around, that I felt comfortable around, that had the lived experiences that I had and were pursuing other goals on a different level. Am I a non-traditional student? Absolutely. 
but I was looking for individuals that have that lived experience. And so I was looking for a resource, a re-entry space. There were not. Um, most, most of the organizations here that deal with re-entry are grassroots organizations like Beyond the Walls. And so we had this newsletter in um, the women's facility. It was called Behind the Walls. Right. And it was a it's just a newsletter of all sorts of resources and how you can connect with them, who you could contact. And so when I decided to start a um, not this nonprofit, I said, OK, beyond the walls, because we're going to do that for our community outside of the wall. So we're moving forward. We're moving beyond that wall and we're connecting people to the resources that are needed out here. So that's where it came from. I I will say I love that. Um, I love when people can have like an experience like that and they can, um, you know, kind of utilize it to make a name for something that is very impactful and that has um, a lot of passion behind it. So thank you for sharing that. That is a really, I like that. I like that. Um, You're welcome. And I love to, like, I love to ask people about, like, the meaning behind their names, because sometimes you get, you can get really um, simplistic names, um, and it just, it's just kind of what it is, but then you get those names that really have that meaning and that you got to think a little bit about, so I was just wondering there. Thank you. And I added the movement onto it, it's mm-hmm. because the state that we're in, in the country now, um, everything has to be moving forward, mm-hmm. like, this is a movement, This is not something that is just here to stay stagnant. Like we are a movement. This is a force and it needs to continuously evolve well beyond my existence. So. I agree. It is a movement. Um, It's something that, you know, all states and us that we need to be working on and trying to progress forward in. Um, So I think, you know, considering it, like you said, as a movement is very, also a very powerful piece of it. Um, I remember earlier that you mentioned that your, the programs that you specifically require or some of the emphasis that you have is education and entrepreneurship, right? Yes. Um, I was just curious to, um, you know, why do you think those areas are important for this community? Those, um, number one, education. Education is not a, um, a traditional word for this program or for this organization. Education is informing, making people knowledgeable about whatever it is that they will, that they can use to empower themselves. Okay. So we make, I make it very clear in the mission statement that our goal is to empower through education and or entrepreneurship. So we are empowering people at whatever level of education, we work heavily with policy and advocacy because we need to be at the table when people are making decisions about us. We, um, we help individuals get into trade schools, appeals for universities, get into GED classes, whatever it is that you feel that's important to you. We have helped individuals get their CDL license. Um, so they, the two individuals are commercial drivers. They're over the road, living their best lives, right? So in entrepreneurship, 
a lot of individuals um, do understand that it's difficult to be hired <laughs> in the times that we're in with the criminal background. So what better way to, if you have an idea that's innovative, let's take it to the next level. Let's get um, all of your papers in order. Let's get you on the legal level that you need to be on. And let's move forward with finding you seed money to start your own business because I love being my own boss. You know, and I, I, I'm i glad you like really explained that because at first, like I will say I was conceptualizing it, at, conceptualizing it as, you know, actual like you said the traditional education like going to college um and those type of things but I think you know just educating in general of like like you said the resources that are out there um and what is available to you to be um you know successful and you know I, I really hate that word sorry but like just to you know move towards where it is you want your life to be um and so I think that's great. And then entrepreneurship is something that I've newly been learning about that is also very important in this community of like just having your own business. And like you said, and because I know that it is difficult to find employment. So entrepreneurship may be like a route for this population. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, that that sounds great. Um, and I was going to ask you this already, but you've already highlighted some of uh, the things like the positive impacts that your organization has made. Could you tell us like a couple more? So we do things and it may seem um, minimal to the average individual. What we do things is um, as basic as helping, taking someone to get their state ID, Right. Um, helping someone fill out the online application for their social security card um, to, like I said, taking someone to Missouri to go to six weeks of intensive training to get their commercial driver's license. So, um, and that is the range. We have helped um, individuals write appeal letters to um, four-year institutions we um, help people fill out scholarship applications. Um, oh my goodness, we, uh, we connect people to um, community programs, right? Because most of them are based out of churches or um, in someone's basement, right? So, so we, we connect them to those spaces where they um, can find a food pantry, we work with, we're, we're trying to build a um, relationship with a um, statewide organization now so that they can move past the 18 to 24 age range. Um, we're building a relationship with IDOT right now so that we can bring more individuals on to do road construction. Um, we work with one um, tip agency down here in Southern Illinois and so they um, they do an initial background check before they even do your hiring process for our individuals to see if it'll come up before they even go through all the paperwork and look for um, a company to put them on. So we we have that relationship building, which is great. And then they and then the um, participant or the client will know what they need to work on and how they can get things expunged. We work heavily with the land of Lincoln and the NAACP 
So um, those are the two spaces down here in Southern Illinois that we work very closely with. So we do a lot of things. Like I said, we're just the dot connector. I, we do all of the researching and searching and um, locating different spaces. We vet a lot of services down here. I vet a lot of services. I call in as a client as I am directly impacted. I could be looking for these services. You know, so I, you know, some people have even asked for my IDOC number. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so I can, I can give them that. Yeah. And so um, just making sure that they are offering the services that they list that they offer. I don't want to send someone somewhere where you're wasting their time just to get um, demographic information for your funding. No, all makes sense. And like, it seems like the organization offers a lot, even from just like um, those very basic things of like how to fill out an application. Cause like, I know that's something that is very difficult. I remember when I was doing some work in um in a reentry facility, uh, a lot of them didn't know how to use a computer. We were trying to fill out for FAFSA. They didn't understand that. They didn't, you know, know how to work an email because it just had been so long. So it seems like this organization is really encompassing some of that, but also some other, you know, uh, allocating resources and pushing people in directions of resources, um, which I think is really great, especially because like we're in a rural area, so there's already not a lot here um, because of the rural nature <laughs> oh my goodness we we are battling we're we're at a struggle with um public transportation right now because we're in such a rural area and i just can't even imagine how people got or get things done right because there's lack of transportation and so that is that is um, heart-wrenching and bothersome, and that is something that we have been talking about, trying figuring out a way to combat that. Um, yeah, but the rule being in this rural space definitely makes you see things through a different lens, and how you can um, figure out how to work through things with individuals. Yeah, and I, I will say, like, that's one of the things, like, I also had to learn about a different layer of reentry is that um, it does look different compared to urban um, areas versus rural. I come from Arkansas, uh, a bigger city there. Uh, I mean, not as big as Chicago, but it's still a bigger city. And so the challenges that they're experiencing there is totally different from when I moved to Illinois um, oh. and I hear some of the specifically Southern Illinois and I hear some of the um, experiences here and I was like oh wow like I would have never thought like public transportation would be such a big issue but when I think about it I'm like I mean I mean this isn't the city so I guess it kind of makes sense because like even just for the average person that may not have this experience public transportation is a concern. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine it's even more challenging for people who are going through this or that are directly impacted. So, you know, I I hope um, that, you know, there's some feasible way of solution that can be figured out to kind of help accommodate those things. Um, and uh, yeah, so th I think that's all that's all I was saying there. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I did want to um, say also to like, because you were talking about all these things that your organization was doing. Um, 
Are there any current projects that y'all are working on or? Oh, child, we have all sorts of hopes, dreams, and aspirations, right? Um, Anyone out there in podcast land, if you want to assist a grassroots organization with grant writing, we would be grateful on all sorts of levels. Uh, We're currently looking for funding. We have a couple of projects um, on our website that we are trying to fund. Number one, we just acquired our first piece of property. Uh, So we own a lot. We own a undeveloped lot um, on the north side of Carbondale, which is going to be the reading garden. Eventually, it's going to be a hydroponic garden that can be used all year round by the community members. And we will also be providing um, books. It'll be a library, a reading space for youth, for seniors, um, just um, cultural books um, to explore. And um, so that is the goal for that space. We're hoping to open that up. Um, in the spring of 2023. And the reason we chose the hydroponic um, garden is because it's raised beds, raised towers. It's a great space for seniors to come and reap the benefits of it and not have to bend over and hurt themselves for all sorts of physical reasons, right? And um, then our second um, project is last year, we became members of the Safe Housing Network which is um, based out of East LA with Dr. Susan Burton. And it's a new way of life, safe house network. And so our goal is to have one house for women, a transition home for those that identify themselves as women, and then one house for those that identify themselves as men in the um, Southern Illinois region, hopefully. And we are hoping to get that ball rolling, but without funding, (laughs) it's a little difficult. And so these are um, proven homes. Like we have three of these homes, Safe Housing Network in Champaign. So this is a tried and proven transition project. And yeah. So that's that's what we have going on right now. Well, first, let me say congratulations for the land. Um, I think Thank that you. is that is really great and kind Deed of what you're, in hand. Yes. Deed in hand. They can't hear my <laughs> clap, but I'm clapping. Um, I think that is so great because um, I just think like just just thinking generally like that type of environment is just seems so stress free. Um, also, like you said, there's a lot of utility in it just for, you know, general community and uh, being able to have a space to come to to kind of like decompress or, you know, just read or, you know, whatever it is that they want to come there for, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think that's really great. And then the safe housing project, uh, I think that is a really great project, too, because I don't think we have anything like that around here, do we? We do not. Yeah, we do not. Uh, we do not. Right now. Um, Southern Illinois' conviction rate, the um, bottom nine counties, we're at a 92% conviction rate, right? Oh, wow. 
<laughs> so these individuals have some sort of probationary or parole requirements. Okay. Right? And they don't have the resources to complete them. And so the goal is to get a reentry hub and hopefully have an extension. If we had a reentry hub here in Carbondale, we could have an extension center in Cairo, which is a 45 minute drive, but it gives that Southern tip access to the resources and access to um, rebuild. So, Well, audience, if you're listening and you want to fund funds are needed um so you're here and they would greatly appreciate that and you know I'm just glad that you shared that with me um because like like I said I didn't know what was going on in the in this area regarding reentry. so it's nice to see that at least some projects are being in the works and it seems like there are challenges to you know getting some of them accomplished and getting them done as like funding is always a challenge um I feel like for projects are there any other challenges that you have encountered with trying to do this work one of the largest challenges is earlier on I spoke about beyond the walls being the southern Illinois partner of the fully free campaign And for those of you who don't know, the Fully Free Campaign is the campaign to end permanent punishments in the state of Illinois. And so we are working heavily in policy and advocacy right now, trying to get some bills passed, some House bills passed, maybe in lame duck veto session, you know, hopefully. And so we're working towards those, but the biggest barrier is individuals being able to be vocal about how they've been impacted by the justice system in Southern Illinois. We are um, heavily um, small business, local owned space, right? And that fuels our economic development down here, shop local, um, family owned businesses. And with that, they have the option to ask for background checks. And so if people are vocal about being directly impacted, they are literally in fear of losing their jobs. And so that is, uh, that's a barrier because we don't have enough individuals being vocal about the inequality of the way that we've been treated, especially in Southern Illinois. Fortunate enough, I have the privilege, um, because it's definitely a privilege, um, to not be seeking a position in Southern Illinois. So I can be vocal about how I've impacted because they don't fund my household, but others do. And that's, that's scary because you can get blackballed very quickly and then you won't be able to support your family or yourself for that matter. So that is a huge barrier right now when we are recruiting people um, for the campaign and inviting people to go to Springfield and lobby, um, even just come to a informational, right? Just an educational informational. People are not so comfortable with coming up because of fear of someone saying, oh, well, I seen you there. You've been to prison, you're a convict. 
those sorts of things. And so that's not, um, that's, that's our hugest barrier right now. Yeah, I can imagine that that is a really big barrier, um, especially, like you said, being in these more rural towns. Um, I know it's easier to adopt, to adopt a lot of, um, I guess, negative philosophies when it comes to this particular group and wanting to be um, distance, I guess, from this particular group. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't shy away from the experiences that, you know, this group is going through and like the resources and things that they need. Um, and I guess I just wanted to clarify what you're referring to as far as of the campaign. Is that the get out, get the vote out campaign? So it's not the get the vote out campaign. The get the okay. vote out campaign is a community engagement project. Okay. Through fully through the um that is connected to fully free. So okay. so the fully free campaign is literally the campaign to end permanent punishments, um, rewriting of bills, amending bills, amending laws that affect um certifications and um long-term um punishments on individuals that um, have criminal records. Right now, our House bill we're fighting is the FREE Act. And what it does is currently in the state of Illinois, if you have a criminal background, you are not able to be the executor of your loved one's estate, says the state of Illinois. And so we are trying to get that, that law amended because that should be your loved one's decision, not the state of Illinois. And we are one of 13 states that still has that law. Agreed. I I agree. That should be, I know you can see my face and you're like, it's saying everything. And I'm like, that should be the decision of the loved one, right? Um, I feel like the decision of the loved one. Um, and to even think that there was, you know, a law like that. But um, so right now, that's something that y'all are trying to get amended. Yes. Okay. Um, which is totally different from what we were talking about previously um, in that particular barrier. Yes. So get out and vote. A lot of individuals don't know that if you have a conviction that you are still able to vote in the state of Illinois. So what we're doing is we're out in the communities um, trying to get those that are just as directly just as impacted to just even register to vote. Just even register to vote. If you register to vote and you decide to go out on election day, then that's a great thing. But the fact that you are registered in the system and you know that you have that right. So, again, we're, we're moving back to empowering. And this is why we support the Get Out and Vote campaign, right? Because it is empowering individuals through education. Just the lack of knowledge is sometimes the barrier for people. They just didn't know. So it is my duty to get out and tell people just so that you'll know. And that's also one of the things why I agree, like there is so much power in education um, because like just knowing like because I feel like one, that's a lot of things of one when you just think about um, of general population, a lot of people just don't know the experiences. Um, they don't mm -hmm. know the impact of 
you know, what it is like to be in the criminal justice system. And like, just knowing that can do, can really change your heart and uh, change the way you move or you see these individuals, but also just like the people that have this experience, they just don't know what their actual rights are um, and how they can better support themselves, especially on a policy level. Um, They just don't know. And I feel like that's why I I just love education and just empowering. And that's one of the things like with More Life, we try to do as well is just inform, educate and empower um, in any way of which we could do that. So I agree with you on just like that emphasis of like education is just so important there. Yeah. Knowledge Um, is power. And and people, oh, you are a know-it-all. No, not a know-it-all. But whatever I know, I want to share it. Yeah. For sure. I want to share it so that when the day comes, you can't say that you didn't know. Because if I knew it, I shared it and I shared it with everyone that was around me. Right. And like, and I feel like that comes another layer of it too. And I know people probably won't agree, or some people will, but like once you know, you're kind of responsible. I'm like, um, like somebody has made you aware of this, and whether you're the individual that doesn't have the experience or that has it, like you're responsible at that point to kind of, you know, go do something with it, whereas you share it or you utilize it. Um, and at that point, if you don't, I feel like it's almost like your choice, um, maybe, but not necessarily. Um, but yeah, so I think that's very important there. And so you have the get the vote out campaign going on. Um, any other, like, I guess, campaigns that we should be aware of that people can become involved in? Clean Slate, Illinois. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that. Clean Slate, Illinois is to, um, I don't have as much information as I should have on it. It's a new campaign that I've been introduced to. But what they're doing is they are trying to end the the probation parole period. If you've served your time, you've served your time. And they're also working on those that um, immediate expungements for some some charges. Like after you served your time, let's move on to immediate expungement because why am I is this charge still being held against me and I've served my time? So let, let's not do this whole probationary parole period. Let's just give these individuals a clean slate when they leave the state of Illinois to be as successful in the reentry process as possible. So I think that's a great, I think that's a great initiative and I'm all for it. And like I said, whatever I can do when, when I learn of something new, I pass it on. You can read it and interpret it however you want to, but most people don't want to know because like you said, they don't want the responsibility. Um, yes. <laughs> and that's what I was alluding to without actually telling them. But yeah, that's essentially what it is. Um, and I think that, you know, those are great things, because I think when we think of like, really what the goal of our criminal justice system what we say it is and what it should be, but our goal is to, you know, increase public safety is at least that's what it says. And, mm-hmm. and, um, I don't feel like right now, like that's where we're going. We're moving in a direction to at least of, um, well, let me not say that, um, not that we're not increasing public safety, but I feel like we're doing more harm than we are doing good well, to people. For the public safety. Yeah. If you, 
put someone back into the environment in which they came from and don't allow them the opportunity to be successful, you are increasing recidivism. Yes. Because, because you've set them up for failure and they're going to just go back into whatever ill habits they had before to mm-hmm. provide for themselves because what you perceive to be as a positive path, you haven't given them the tools or the road to this path. Right. And you said that in a more elegant way of than what I was trying to say, but that's definitely what I was trying to say um, as well. Cause you, we haven't, we're not setting them up to be successful. No. Um which I also don't see how that's alluding to the goals of where we're trying to go either. Um, if we're not helping or providing the resources um, for them to be successful. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so I guess like just kind of transitioning a little bit in our conversation really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, if, and this is just like advice um, and suggestions right here. If there was someone out here who wanted to, you know, had this same shared experience and they wanted to open their own nonprofit organization or start their own movement, like what type of advice would you provide for them? Be patient. Uh, Running a nonprofit, uh, starting a nonprofit is not an easy process. If it's a passion of yours, move forward. Focus on one thing, right? We all want to save the entire world, right? And we all want to do everything, but focus on what you're good at. So because we focus on education and entrepreneurship, because these are are my areas of study, like these are these are my areas of expertise. I work over. I work with the Small Business Development Center, so I triage um, entrepreneurship ventures every day. Every day we get multiple calls, and I triage those individuals into the the basic steps of starting an LLC, the steps of starting a nonprofit. Um, Nonprofits are not free money. (laughs) They are not free money. Um, Uncle Sam will ask you, what did you do with those funds? And you will have to answer. Okay. (laughs) You will have to answer. If you get those, if you get funding from the government, use it to uh, progress the community. Don't misuse it. But definitely do what you're passionate about. I would recommend someone, I would recommend someone um, going and possibly joining a grassroots organization that is already established, help build um, capacity, help build programming. You can make an impact in that area as well. So not everyone, um, I started Beyond the Walls because there was just absolutely nothing there, there wasn't anything that was uh, sufficient. And so that was the reason for the starting of the organization down here. But had it been a nonprofit that was moving towards the betterment of my community, I would have wanted to be a part of that. 
you know, I think those are some very solid things too of just, um, you know, being patient. Um, Cause this is like, just like you said, just running a nonprofit in general is not easy and it requires a lot of just patience um, because things can be prolonged. Um, So you really kind of need that. Um, And two, focusing on one thing. Um, Like you said, we we can't save the world. Um, I know I'm certainly not going to try because it'll (laughs) just be too much, but um, just pick one thing, like you said, and I really liked how you said you utilize your experiences of school uh, and kind of the work you do now. And that's kind of what you're putting into your organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that last thing, um, why did that just run from me? Um, but the last thing of what you said, do you remember the last thing? Working with other organizations. There we go collaborating and working with other organizations that already exist um I feel like is a really good way to just gain experience too Mm -hmm. um so yeah I think those are some very you know solid things to consider when if somebody is trying to start a nonprofit organization of some sort um and I guess another thing I wanted to also ask you is for those who are not directly impacted and you know they want to advocate and they want to support what uh advice would you provide for them on how they could do that um, always stay in a in a space of supporting A lot of people come into um, this work and the first thing they say is, I understand how you feel. I know what you're going through. And I would say, um, always remember um, advocacy is a space of its own. And um, until you've had a lived experience, you don't know because everyone experiences that differently. So, Um, enter into the space with um, an open mind, open heart, and open ears, right? Um, So, you know, my mama used to say it, my mama says it, um, she said when I was younger, but um, sometimes when you walk into the room, just open your ears and keep your mouth shut, you know? (laughs) Some people may seem, some people may think that that's a bit rude, But I agree, be a listener. That is the best way to understand someone, to let them tell their story and for you to listen to them. Sometimes we aren't looking for feedback. We're just listening for an open ear. And you can advocate by just holding space with that um, group, right? Just holding space with them when they need it you may be of a different ethnicity or a different race where people understand um, numbers of power. You're there and you're holding that space. So that could just be the advocacy that uh, an organization needs is for you to come in and hold the space with them in solidarity, right? Just hold the space and individuals will see and then the numbers will grow of space holders that are like-minded and like-hearted. So it's not always what you say in the time of advocacy. Yeah, I do think that's very important because like you said, advocacy is its own layer of things. Like, uh, um, especially when you don't have this experience, um, it's just very important for us to, you kind of, like you said, um, create those spaces um, and listen. Um, 
I feel like that's one of the the best things we can do also too is just like just listening um and kind of just trying to take in what we can and learn from what we can so thank you for sharing that Um, allies are important yeah allies are important I will not discredit them they have they have built movements Mm -hmm. behind allies and I appreciate them but sometimes allies are sometimes just needed to be there to hold space. Yeah. I, and I think that's the important piece too, in making sure as an advocate and, or as an ally that we're not taking up the space um, for a particular group. Um, and we don't have that experience. Cause like, that's just not our role. Let, let them have that space. And we just kind of listen um, and observe those things. I think that's very important. Um, so I guess like when also thinking about your organization, how can people become involved in your organization? Um, is it, I guess one of the things I'm really trying to understand here, is this organization for only directly impacted or can other community members become involved as well? Oh, absolutely. Um, we are always looking for individuals to help us progress campaigns. Um, our, our programs um, are set up for um, the help of the indirected individual. Um, you know, I have a 29-year-old son, and when he is in town, um, he is there, boots on the ground, toting boxes, <laughs> um, putting out sign-up sheets and that sort of thing. But yeah, we're also, um, we're always looking for individuals. Like I said, next um, spring, we're going to be starting our garden. So we're going to be looking for individuals to volunteer that are like-minded and like-hearted. We're always looking for uh, ways to build capacity. So um, individuals that think that they can help um, with training, uh, public speaking, like we're looking for those things to build our team right now. There's three volunteers, myself and two others. Um, they are directly impacted, but um, their children come out, their adult children come out in campaign. And we also have other ind- other individuals from, we have individuals from other grassroots organizations that are out with us and we do a community connect where we just connect people to all sorts of resources in Carbondale. So no, if you're definitely interested, um, email me at info at btwthemovement.org and I'm definitely willing to sit down and talk with anyone about any ideas that they have to move the organization forward. And I'll make sure like I put like the email and everything in the bottom. So people, if they are interested, they can definitely reach out um, and see, you know, how they can support or, you know, like what they can do to, you know, best assist. Um, Yeah. So I think that's great. Um, And what I was, I was going to ask you also too is um, when it comes to, um, you know, volunteering and, um, those different, you said you have three volunteers right now. Is that what mm-hmm. you said? Okay. Yes. Um, and you collaborate with other um, organizations that are out there in the community too. Yes. Okay. Okay. So it sounds pretty open to like, uh, not just directly impacted, but other yeah. people. Um, community members. We have family, family members of those that are directly impacted or currently incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have fam- we have uh, those children 
adult children of those that are currently incarcerated. Um, yeah, we just have just a group of people because reentry is a community sustainability um, mm-hmm. issue, right? Mm-hmm. And um, we need to educate the community members on reentry because whether we want to or not, those that are incarcerated that left this community will return. Right. And we need we need a community that's prepared for them. And I think that's a very like important thing for people to know, like those who have left this community will return. Um, (laughs) We know that 95 percent of them are going to come back. They're coming Um, home. (laughs) Yes. So we have to have something here for them to be able to come home and be able to sustain. Um, Absolutely. I think that's so important. And I guess like before we get off of here. I want to ask you, you know, when we're talking about advocacy or just like advocacy, your organization, or just reentry in general, like what is something that you really want the audience to leave with or to understand? That it costs more money to keep a person in prison than it does to educate them to be successful. That's actually like true. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's very true. Yes. If you put in the resources in the community to prepare them to reacclimate themselves, they will benefit the community more than finding ways to increase recidivism. That's actually very true. I remember in uh, when I first started this podcast, that's one of the things that I talked about. It's just like, it does cost more money to incarcerate somebody when we could really probably just allocate that money to, you know, investing in resources and maybe the existing resources that are already available. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, then trying to like further, I don't know, mass incarceration and all those other different things um, that just keep perpetuating more problems for us. And I think people um, misunderstand the decarceration theory, right? This is not saying end the prison system as a whole or the detention system. This is saying that some things can be handled in different circumstances, right? Can be handled another way. Um, Every circumstance is different. Every individual is different. Um, People are being arrested and detained and they have mental health issues when all they actually really need to be is at a facility that will teach them to take their medication properly. Right? And so those sorts of things. Um, some Some people have substance abuse issues. But if they are taught um, how to combat those, then things will be a lot differently. So um, I think it's all about knowledge. It's about educating um, and making sure that we are informing people on how to be respectful to themselves. All right. So that's another holistic um, reentry process respecting yourself because if I don't respect myself I won't respect you or your property (laughs) or anything right and so making um, sure that individuals understand their self-worth 
Yeah, I agree. And I think one thing to add to like the decarceration um, theory too is just also that like incarceration doesn't always need to be our first or our immediate solution. Um, it's like the primary thing, like we we really focus on punishment and trying to punish people. And it's like, like you said, like there are other alternative ways in which we could handle um, some of these things that seem more Incarceration feasible. is the only rehabilitation space that inflicts pain. Yes. Right. So when we get physical rehabilitation, everyone is so kind to us. They're so loving. Um, they just want the best for us. It's the only rehabilitation space that inflicts pain. Every other rehabilitation aspect is kind, loving, giving, um, understanding. Yeah, so it seems like we could be using some other alternatives is what it sounds like. Um, Absolutely. But yes, I do. I really want to thank you for coming on and, you know, talking about Beyond the Walls and, you know, just sharing, you know, your experiences and like kind of like the work you do. Like we really appreciate it. Um, and so I guess before we close out, I will say if you are interested in learning more about beyond the walls or miss kianya i will definitely list all of her social media things in the bottom of the um description box but i really do thank you for coming on and you know just sharing your experiences absolutely my pleasure mm -hmm. i appreciate you and the invitation it was a good time yes i i did enjoy it and for the audience, you know, as always, if you enjoyed this episode as much as we did, please don't forget to push the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram at More Life The Reentry Podcast. Thank you. Mm -hmm.